0: If you're new here, I'm. Uh, my name is Marlo. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and yeah, certainly exciting times. And it's great to, uh, I'm I'm looking for, I'm going to try to preach real fast so we can get over that. It's going to be fun. Uh, But just a couple of things before we dive into the message today, Um, because as you know, uh, thank you for your patience, so many of you, uh, all of you, Uh, some of the parking spaces are taken by some of the uh, construction items. Next Sunday, we have child dedication, and there's four families uh, dedicating a a child in, in that service, and so that always means extra family and friends, and so if there's some others of you that would join me in parking on the street next week. That would be appreciated. also want to introduce our new caretaker, Annette Rosen. Annette, would you stand, please? Uh, uh, welcome her to, to, this, uh, to this role. And uh, very excited to have you stepping in. to to that role, the caretaking in the church. I was telling her as a junior high kid, me and my my sisters and I did it in our church with my dad watching over our shoulder, but I I have enough experience to know it's hard work. And so I know, church family, that we will do all that we can uh, to make her job as easy as possible. So thank you for that, and welcome, Annette. Yeah, just make prayer a commitment tonight, if, if I can encourage you in this, to join us in the Fireside Room. Six o'clock, Pastor Joel's going to be leading in a time of specifically praying for healing, physically and, and otherwise. And it's just uh, such important time together. Last Sunday, we began a journey through the Gospel of John. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the first four books of the New Testament. Uh, accounts Of the life of Christ from each of those individuals. And we began the journey in John. Um, Yeah, we're in for an exciting, I I believe, uh, many, many months actually. Don't know how long we'll be in, in this series. Certainly there'll be times when we pause it for certain reasons, but excited. I'm very excited about this. Imagine being there in the first century. Guys, you got your robe on and your flip-flops. And uh, this Jesus that you might have heard a little bit about, you know, what's going on? He comes up to you and he says, follow me. You don't necessarily know why, but you drop everything. And you do exactly that. And you get to witness over a few years the amazing miracles, the amazing things He does, the interactions He has with hurting people, with self-righteous people, with, uh, with seeking people. And you, you, you come to believe that Jesus, this Jesus, is God. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the bridge, uh, as we sometimes refer to Him, between God and sinful humanity. And years later, some decades later, God leads you to record everything that you witnessed. And then near the end of your historical narrative that you write, these words are written by you. Uh, These words in the Gospel of John, you say, are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. John 20, 30, and 31. Well, that was the disciple John's experience. Matthew, Mark, Luke wrote, Chronological accounts of the life of Christ. Well, by the time that John wrote his gospel, the Christian Church was no longer primarily Jewish, but was overwhelmingly Gentile, which just is a biblical word for anybody that wasn't a Jew, as Christianity had, by that time had spread very far and wide in the then-known world. And his writing In his writing, John wanted to strengthen the faith of the Jewish people, but also draw non-Jewish people in to be recipients of this amazing message of grace and forgiveness as well. So John emphasizes that Jesus is God, fully God, fully man. Hard to comprehend, I know, but that's okay. He's God, I'm not, you're not. And John couldn't be clearer in correcting as he wanted to do erroneous teaching by that time it's amazing the drift that can happen hey and it does like this over the over the centuries well let's read the first 9 verses Of the gospel of John. John chapter 1 in the New International reads this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. That's a generic term for all humanity, male and female. Um... Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe he himself was not that light. This John that John was referring to, this other John, is John the Baptist, right? He was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. God, open your word to our heart today Is our prayer. So, phrase by phrase, quickly this morning. In the beginning was the word. That phrase sounds similar to one we, those that know the Bible, uh, have heard before. Way back in the very first verse of the Bible in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, he created everything with his word. Key word. And John is saying that if you really want to understand who Jesus is, you have to go back to what we call the beginning, which actually really wasn't the beginning uh, for God, but it was for everything else, of course. And John might say it this way, I'm not giving you a creation story as in John 1.1. I'm giving you a new creation story that changes your heart and makes you and me, a new creation in Christ because of this word that is coming into the world. Christianity was cradled in Judaism, but within 30 years of the resurrection of Jesus, it had spread to Asia Minor, to, Asia Minor, to Rome, uh, to Greece, which was, which was great. But the idea of a coming Messiah was foreign to the Greek mind. And so John wanted to find a way to present the message of the forgiveness, the hope, the salvation that Jesus was bringing to a, to a Greek, to a, to a non-Jewish world. And, and he nailed it, actually, with this passage. In both the Greek world and the Jewish world, there was uh, this idea, this concept of uh, the Word. So the Jews obviously knew the Word of God. Written, passed down, verbally, important. They're they're, they're Old Testament scriptures. The Greeks had a word, and Harvey referred to this last week in his uh, excellent intro message to this series. If you missed it, you can catch it on our YouTube channel, Eaglemont Christian Church, and I encourage you to do that. Uh, He touched on this, uh, this, this word, the Greek word being logos, which we get the English word, simply, in this passage. And It can also, in the Greek mind, mean reason. And in their minds, the Greeks, uh, the, the, the word of God and the reason of God were parallel ideas and complementary expressions. And so John comes along and declares that this word, this reason of God, is none other than God the Son, revealed to us in the human person of Jesus Christ. Last part of verse 1, and the Word was with God, and the Word, what? What? <laughs> was God. Bible Project, some of you are familiar with their animated videos. Excellent couple of uh, summaries that they have in the Gospel of John. Go to, I encourage you to go to BibleProject.com and uh, search that up. John, Look for John's summary. Uh, part, there's two parts, to. I think they're about 15 minutes each, but I encourage you to, to look very, very insightful and, and helpful. Uh, But they explain it well when the narrator of those videos says this, A person's words are distinct from that person, but they're also the embodiment of that person's mind and will. John then says that the Word was with God, so that is distinct. And yet the Word was God, so by nature, He was deity. Deity, as much as God the Father. And this points to the truth that Jesus obviously, then, is part of the triune God, the Christian doctrine of the Trinity, which, again, to wrap our finite minds around, it's tough. But again, I say, and not that, not we, sh- not that we shouldn't try to figure it out and try to, you know, ponder it and come up with an, uh, illustrations that help us understand it, but we're finite, and He's not. And so I'm okay with not fully comprehending it. One person, or one, one God, three persons. Oh, but some object to the idea of Jesus being God by trying to use Jesus' words against him when Jesus said, the Father is greater than I, like he did in John 14. You'll hear this from um, this, this argument against the deity of Jesus from, uh, as an example, uh, Jehovah Witnesses, actually. Well, very simply, those words are a reference to Jesus as to his humanity, to, to, the voluntar- to him voluntarily stepping in to human flesh. Those words show His character of humility, displayed as God in human flesh. And they point to the, the different roles that the Father and the Son play in the plan of redemption. There, there's no difference between the Father and the Son as to their nature, and the Holy Spirit as well. Each one, are God a very God, as the Nicene Creed puts it. And by taking on human nature, Jesus—Jesus did not relinquish his divine nature. He laid aside some of the active uh, aspects of it, maybe, but um, but he was fully God, fully man. It's It's actually completely, completely inaccurate. And you've heard it; I've heard it. When someone says, "Well, Jesus did not claim to be God," it's false. It's a false statement. And any honest reading of the Gospels, especially the Gospel of John, will reveal that pretty clearly. The Jews knew that Jesus claimed to be God. They did. You, you see it. I see it in, in their reaction on some occasions. Oh, many of them chose not to believe it, but they knew what Jesus was claiming. So then you've got to decide, is Jesus speaking the truth about his nature or not? Everybody has to make that choice. John 5.18, the Jews sought even more to kill Jesus because what? He made himself equal with God. Jews knew he was claiming it. And then John 8.58, a classic passage for this. Uh, Jesus said the explosive words, Before Abraham was, I am. And again, Harvey referred briefly to the I ams of John, uh, and, and uh, those are significant expressions. But here in, in John 8.58, he pulls from uh Exodus 3.14, where God is speaking to Moses from the burning bush, encouraging Moses, uh, actually directing Moses to go be the deliverer of God's people. And Moses going, who who should I say sent me? I am God all, all God said, all God said to define himself in that moment was, I am that I am. Interesting phrase. It just means I've always existed. Which is only, only a characteristic of God. Never created. And Jesus takes that phrase and applies it to himself. And we know the Jews understood. Because you read that passage, later verses in John 8 there. What did the Jews do? They picked up stones. According to their law, that was blasphemy. And according to their law, he needed to be taken out. And so they picked up stones to stone him. But it wasn't Jesus' time, so he was able to just kind of walk away from that. No question, the Jews knew what he was claiming. You see, contrary to what we often hear, all religions are not the same. And the most significant difference has to do with the nature of Jesus Christ, that He is by nature God and always has been fully God. Never, never created, not a created being, yes, come into uh, the, the human race, it, it, but, but preexistent God taking on human flesh is different than a brand new entity being born, okay? Um, so, Jesus Christ, n- not a created being, like Jehovah Witnesses say, and uh, He did not progress to Godhood from being a man as the Mormon uh, teach. No, no, no. He is the eternal, preexistent creator of the universe. And that's important, because it's only him that way who can be our eternal savior because only god is perfectly holy and god the father the righteous judge of the universe demands a perfectly holy sacrifice for sin so only jesus because he's god could be that for us it's an important important non-negotiable doctrine of the bible teaching of the bible I get going on this, and uh, how are we doing here? I think I'm going to have to skip over some stuff. We've got a site supervisor over there and a crew waiting. They're excited to host you, by the way. Anyway, yeah, we'll get there. Uh, yeah, the Jehovah Witnesses may reference Colossians 1.15 in a discussion like this, and some of you had that discussion, and you need to have it lovingly and graciously, of, of course. Uh, first, uh, Colossians 1.15, the sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Ah, firstborn, see that? Huh? They'll say that to you. Well, you just need to simply understand that the Greek word used there, prototokos, is first in rank, literally. Not coming into existence as in, as in how we think of being born, right? So there's clarity that, that needs to come to that. And, and reading on, actually, in that same passage, verse 16, talks, says, just simply says all things have been created through him. Well, who creates? God. And only God, as is discussed here. So... Um, so these first few verses of John 1, are, 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 they're theologically heavy, but still very, very applicable in our lives. The truth that Jesus is God must inform and influence and guide the way we live as Christ followers, and the choices we make, the decisions we make about how we think and believe and act, right? Because He's God, and what Jesus speaks to, we need to listen. If Jesus is God, and He is, then whatever He says about life and about how to live it, then as as His followers, we must listen and obey. Even if it goes against the tsunami of messages that are very different in our godless culture. If Jesus is God, then we need to listen to Him as God Jesus has every right to tell us how to live life since he's the creator of it and so when Jesus says something like love love your love your enemies we can't say no don't want to do that won't do that that's not right doesn't feel right no no we got to find a way, and that usually comes for most of us by trusting God's grace and strength to do that. That's not easy. No one's saying it is. But when he, when Jesus, Jesus, as God, says, "Love your enemies," we need to listen. Maybe there's something there for you. Or when Jesus says something outlandish, like God created male and female. He he didn't he didn't add any other categories. And we need clarity on God's perspective. And so as Christ followers, we must say yes. No matter, no matter what our society says, our teacher says, our, our prime minister says, uh, Jesus' word is the truth on two genders. And God, my friend, God did not make a mistake in how He originally created any one of us. So if you, if you have confusion or 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 discomfort about your gender, which is a legitimate struggle for some, that that is worthy of compassion, right? The answer is not changing your gender. The answer is turning towards your Creator, who loves you deeply, deeply, and who wants to help you become, become settled, and more than settled, in, in, in how he created you. In, in who he created you to be. That's a message of hope in our culture, isn't it? When Jesus says, my peace I give to you, let not your heart be troubled, John 14, he's saying, no need to be afraid. We must obey. <laughs> it can be hard. In normal things of life, not from a... Not to mention the state of our world. And you know people as as I do, and you hear the fear. And maybe it's gripping your own heart as a Christ follower. You have something to give to God, right? As Christ followers, we, we really should be we should stand out because of the peace that we have that Jesus says we can have if we will receive it and walk in trust. Right? It's growth area for, for a lot of us, maybe. Moving on, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that was made. Kind of a tongue twister, but so true. So if the universe exists, and it, or, or it came, rather, if the universe and everything we see began to exist, and it did, then it has to have a cause. I mean, that's philosophically solid. But listen to the atheist's equation. Nothing times nothing equals everything. Really? Interesting. I think that takes a lot more faith to believe that than to believe the biblical truth that with a design, there's a designer called Creator God. Students, high school, university, college, whatever, be sure, be sure, please, to have critical thinking. When you hear your science teacher, maybe, teach, try to convince you, that believing in a designer behind the design is illogical. But just have some critical thinking. And biblical thinking, but, but common sense thinking even. <laughs> that where there's a design, it is not illogical. Far from illogical. To believe that behind it, there's a designer. That goes for the iPhone you use and for everything we see in our universe. And our own lives. And there's, there's books. And you, you need to prepare. We all do. We, we need to equip ourselves. There's great books. I can recommend other pastors. You can recommend some good reading. To, to be equipped for those important conversations. <sighs> Let's skip down to slide 29. Dave, thanks so much. As we close, verses six and seven. The guy by the name of John, but John the Baptist is introduced. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. John the Baptist is, again, a different John than the writer of the gospel. And he's called Baptist because he was baptizing people who were were, uh, interested in uh, in God and and, and, uh, committing their life to God and and, and, uh, waiting for the Messiah. Two characteristics of John. Humility, and he was willing to risk. He was was humble. So God could trust him, you know, to not, you know, have the, the forerunner to the Messiah have his head grow and begin to view himself as the, the celebrity pastor. <laughs> There's a few of those around today, it seems. No, he, he, was, he was humble. What a great quality. And he was willing to risk. He knew the goal of following Jesus was not his safety or his comfort, which is uh, a little bit or maybe a little bit more than a little bit of uh, North American Christian culture, sadly not biblical oh god protects and all yeah but john was willing to risk and he did he did verse 8 he himself was not the light he came only as a witness to the light And then verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. You see, Jesus, we know there referenced is the true light, which implies that there is a false light, and in the New Testament, uh, Paul, the writer of much of the New Testament under the direction of of the Spirit of God, uh, reminded us that our spiritual enemy, Satan, who is not an imaginary figure, but a real entity that is opposed to God and everything good that God wants to give, uh, he, uh, Paul puts it this way. Satan masquerades as, we're coming up to hell, masquerades. We know what that is. Being something you're really not. He masquerades, Paul tells us, as an angel of light. As opposed to what John is writing about here, Jesus Christ, the true light. What light would you want to guide your life? The true light? Or somebody masquerading as light with all kinds of incendiary um, motives, and agendas. Maybe your world seems dark. Maybe you recognize the darkness of your own heart today, which causes you to, to feel a uh, sense of hopelessness. Well, I'm declaring to you, based on God's truth and my experience, today you can be freed from the darkness and come into the light. By believing in and surrendering to the true light, Jesus Christ. And as you believe and surrender, Jesus will bring His light, His life, His grace, His forgiveness, His hope, His eternal future with Him into your life. And and it's it's not a generic type of belief. You know, people sometimes say, oh, that's, that's great you believe. I mean, you know, everybody has to believe in something, right? As if it doesn't matter. And in their mind, it doesn't. What you believe in. Well, the object of our faith matters a lot. To that comment, I often want to say, really? Really? Do, do you really think it's great that I believe, what the Bible says, that Jesus is the only way to know God? And to be with him forever. Is it, you think, do you really think that's great? If they're honest, I I think most that say that to me would probably not think that's great. And I, I wanna say to them, do you really think it's great that because I am convinced? completely that Jesus is the only way to God and to an eternity in heaven that I also then believe fully that every other path that people are on to try to get to God is a man-made path and not the way to heaven or to God do you still think it's great that I believe that that's that's the exclusivity of Jesus. That doesn't fit very well in our culture, I know that. But the way is open. The Bible says to the whosoever will may come. There's room, we used to sing that old song, there's room at the cross for you. And that applies to every single person in this world. Jesus is the way. Would you, if you haven't already, people in this place here physically, those engaging online, would would you commit your life to Christ today? I invite you. Jesus invites you to come to Him, to believe, to surrender, to turn from your sin, to turn from your way of doing life. Because God's the creator of your life. He knows best. And as I've often said, He loves you most. Why would you not? Turn your heart and your, your, your face toward Jesus Christ, the life and the light, and say, I surrender to you. Please be the forgiver of my sin and the leader of my life. I want to walk in relationship with you in this world and into the next for eternity. Wow, what a gift. You don't have to work for it. Your eternal trajectory can be changed in a moment of surrender that I will give you the opportunity to do now. So I'm going to ask you to just, just bow your heads and, and close your eyes, it is just so that there's no distraction. There's nothing or extra spiritual about that, but these moments are significant moments, and there might be some of you who say, yeah, that's what I want, Marlo, I want to... I want to step into this relationship with my creator because of what Jesus did on the cross for me. If that's your desire, and you've never done that before, or you, you, you have many, many years ago, or whenever it was, and you, you know spiritually you've just wandered away, and you want to reaffirm that commitment that you once made to Christ. In these moments, I want to give you the opportunity to, to just to surrender. And I'm going to ask you to just look my way and Lift your hand really quickly. and I'm not going to call you out or anything, but I just, it's kind of like, I'm, I'm sealing that, Marlo, with you through our eye contact, okay? And God, it's most important that God sees your hand, sir. So cool. God is thrilled, <laughs> excited, and uh, thank you, ma'am, at the back. God bless you. It's so exciting. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the angels in heaven rejoice when Commitments like that are made, and they are rejoicing now. Anybody else? God, I thank you for these two individuals. You know their story. You know where they're at spiritually. You know where they've been. And most of all, because of their commitment to you, you know where they're going. And they're going there now in a relationship with you, their creator, their Lord, their savior, their forgiver, their light, their life, their best friend. Thank you for that. Remind them of those truths every day. And may Satan, spiritual enemy of our souls, not steal the seed of the truth of your word. May they follow you all the days of their life. And as you've raised your hand, in your heart, you can say, God, I surrender, I surrender, I turn from my sin, I follow you, I pick up my cross as you said and I follow you. Thank you for your grace and your forgiveness and the eternal life that I now receive by faith in Jesus' name, amen.